0: This podcast is brought to you by theschoolofpodcasting.com. Use the coupon code GROW to save 20% when you sign up at schoolofpodcasting.com.
1: Welcome to the Grow Your Community Show. Tips and insights into launching a safe, engaging,
0: and effective community. Well, joining me via Squadcast, she is an author, and entrepreneur. She was, the intro is going to be longer than the podcast. This is amazing. <laughs> okay. This is from Wikipedia, of course. She was previously a senior editor at Vogue, and editor-in-chief of many women's magazines, including YM, or if, you're, if you don't know what that is, that's Young Miss, Marie-Claire, Red book and more. And after Morrissey's publication in 2016, if this was a 90s bad sitcom, you would have got a bottle of wine and ice cream. But she didn't. She returned to school and got a master's degree in sustainability. I love that from Columbia. Then later founded the Covey Club, which we're going to talk about today, which is an online community for professional women. She's the host of the Reinvent Yourself podcast. Leslie Jane Seymour, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, great to be here. It's fun. I love the fact that. Well, you just don't quit.
1: No, that's just me. It's funny. You learn about yourself. You know, it's just one of those things. I look back and I realize that I was a kid sitting in front of the TV as a a little kid, and I would have a workbook, and I would have crayons, and I would have clay, and I would be listening to TV and. I just have to be moving and I have to be intellectually stimulated. My mother used to make fun of me because I would walk, watch the talk, TV talk shows back then. Mm-hmm. There was a guy named David Susskind and she'd be like, why do you want to watch this stuff? You know, It's like, this is who I am. So I have to keep moving. I cannot just sit there and do nothing, especially when I see the world as it is and I see women's issues as they are and I see that we have not made the gains that my generation thought were sort of signed, sealed, and delivered. And I feel that if you have the ability and you have the time and you have the connections, you should try to move the ball down the field. And that's kind of my whole goal.
0: I keep telling people with Online communities now, podcasts, blogs, whatever you have, the platform, it's just a matter of do you have the time and the passion? And obviously uh, you do. What's the mission of, of your Covey Club?
1: Well, Covey Club, Covey, first of all, is a small group of birds. And the idea is something small and intimate, a nest to bring women together to talk about the things that they care about, which is basically what a magazine was. A magazine was designed to inform and to make women feel that they were not all alone. That was the whole goal since I started reading magazines at age like 11. Now we just make it live. Now we do a podcast, which is all about reinvention and about people who are creating platforms for women or men to reinvent themselves. Because, And we're talking to women 40 plus because no one's talking to them. Everybody's talking to 20-year-olds. We also have the printed content, which is like a magazine, but it's digital. And we have what we call Coffee and Conversation webinars, which we are now broadcasting five times a week where we bring in an expert and they actually teach like a one-hour class about everything from how to ramp up your LinkedIn profile to work-from-home chic to how to lose the last five pounds and not diet. So whole lifestyle and really talking very frankly to women about the things no one will talk about, like menopause and sex after menopause and talking about taking care of elders. Some of the pieces we do that I'm most proud of are ones where we attack things that people are ashamed to talk about. Like, for instance, a friend of mine who's a very good writer was telling me, that her elderly mother who is getting Alzheimer's has gotten mean and nasty and is very difficult to deal with. And I convinced her to write something about that because so many people are having that same problem and they feel ashamed that they're angry that their parent has turned into this other person and now they have to take care of them. They didn't expect that. So it's talking about all those things. And the point is, is that you're not alone. This is, it's tough out there. And God, it's even tougher now. It's tough being a little bit older, being female, trying to hang in there in the workforce. And you have a lot of things going against you. But the number one thing that Cubby Club is saying to you is, it ain't over, sister, until you say it's over.
0: (laughs) Well, and that is so, uh, three little words, you're not alone, are so powerful. And as I talk to more people with communities, that really is the the key because we're all separated. Now, it, as we record this, we're in the middle of a pandemic. So a lot of us are locked up and we can't see our friends and families and things like that. So when you can connect, that is super powerful. What was the, okay, I'm going to start an online community.
1: Well, the, it kind of decided on me. I've been running women's magazines my whole life. And it was pretty clear that the publishing, print publishing was coming to an end. I mean, it was just, it went from being a wonderful job of doing amazing things and changing the world and constantly selling more and finding new advertisers and ringing bells because you were selling instead of 600,000, you were selling 800,000 on the newsstand. And it turned around and it started to become about as a manager, firing people, Mm. decreasing all the people's, you know, they had to work for two and three magazines at once, asking writers who make no money to do internet writing for free along with their print writing that they did. And these are billion dollar corporations. I'm not talking about writing for free for some startup. I'm talking about billion dollar corporations asking writers to write for free. And I just, after my fourth magazine, even though I loved it, it was the best career. I can't tell you how much fun, it just fun, crazy, wonderful, changing the world. We did things politically. I mean, just incredible opportunity. It was very clear to me that I didn't want to do this anymore because it was not satisfying. It was depressing, I did not like firing people and and asking people to do things I didn't think were right. So when they closed Moore Magazine, I was completely prepared for it because it was always an outlier for the company that it belonged to. The company was a very mass market company and the magazine was a very high-end, exclusive, niche kind of thing. And when I left, I had already started out at Columbia to go back to an old love of mine, which was the environment, which I had originally gone to college to do, but i left my science behind and gone off in the writing area. So, but I wanted to go into sustainability because I thought, here's an area, especially in the beauty business that really needs help. We're dumping all this stuff into the ocean. We can't continue to do this. And they pulled the plug early on more. I thought I had two more years and I would be done with my degree. And then I would segue over to the beauty business. Of course, life never works that way. And I found myself that April sitting at my dining room table going, okay, I can either learn how to do male chimp or I can deal with domestic violence in the Congo, which is the piece I had to do for school. So I was having this kind of dichotomy thing going on. My readers came to me right after the magazine closed. They were so angry because we were kind of the last bastion for women 40 plus out there. And they were angry and they said, do something else for us. And they, I literally gave them a survey and I've never been an entrepreneur. I don't know what I'm doing, but they gave me the survey. I read a lot about what people were saying in Silicon Valley about how to launch with a minimal viable product. I took what they said, I made a map and I took a, it had the whole pizza and I took a slice out because everybody said, don't bake the whole pizza. I took a slice, I stuck it out there. I failed twice. And now weirdly during the pandemic, we're taking off. And I laugh because I have a captive audience now. <laughs> it's like everybody's, everybody's inside and they need community. And here I am. We've been doing Zoom for for two years, and no one knew what Zoom was. Where's the button? How do I push it? And we had to have a walk through. People, I couldn't figure out how to get on. Blah, blah, blah. Now it's like I just took away how to do Zoom on the site because it's like by now you know how to do it. You know? it's like, and if you don't. I don't, know what, I don't know what kind of help I'm going to give you. So we have been building community for a long time. Our virtual events, we were only doing one a month because it was kind of like a little add-on. And then I found myself really loving the virtual events. I'm an uber extrovert, in case you can't tell. And my energy comes from other people. It just does. And I have to have people around me all the time. And so my one way, when this is always a good way to create things that you need, I need a community. And that was the thing that I missed, leaving corporate life. I had a wonderful community. I had my staff, many people who'd come to work for me at many magazines, and just the general publishing business where there are a lot of really smart, interesting people. And I didn't want to go back to my little house in the suburbs and sit all alone. And that's why I didn't become a writer, because it's very, very lonely being a writer. So I said, let me just pump this up into a community. I knew it should be a club. I knew that I had had to be a business because I'm not a multi-gazillionaire. So I said, I can't do the ad model because to chase advertising, you have to have thousands and thousands of people working for you and creating clickbait, which I didn't want to do anyway. So I said, let me come up with a membership model that's different and we'll keep it small and we'll figure out how to monetize it from the beginning and make it a real business. And that's kind of what we've been doing. And I have the most wonder, I mean, I just have to tell you the most wonderful people who came in, strangers I didn't even know. I I did some crowdfunding on ifundwomen.com. That was my first effort. I made $28,000 out there to get me, to help get me launched. People came in and they bought, just not knowing what I was doing, they bought subscriptions. And uh, women have been so incredibly supportive. Some men have come into our events now, which is really fun. And I love the group that I'm creating. And just today, I actually got a package from somebody who's so happy with the club. She's, she sent me something. I'm like, where is this package from? Who is this from? And um, she said, oh, I sent you a little package. And there's a note in there saying, you've really changed my life. I really am so glad you did this. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep going. How lovely yeah. is that, right?
0: A little gas in your tank. That's yeah. always a good way to start the day. You said you sent out a, a survey. Yes. And I realize with your background, you've been kind of in that space the whole time, but was there anything that jumped out from those surveys that you're like, ooh, we really need to to tackle this?
1: Yes. The surprising thing, I thought I had this really brilliant idea. Um, Remember, this is... 2016. So it's four years ago. Because they were all print readers, I thought, well, wouldn't it be cool if all the material that we make, they could print their own magazine from all the stuff that we make? Because these were print people. These were not necessarily, this was not a digital product. In fact, Moore's digital was not that great. It was okay, but not great because they didn't put any money towards the digital. Digital could have been great and could have saved the brand, but print publishing people didn't understand how to do that. So I thought, Lemmy and I found the opportunity where you could make your own magazine. Total fail. <laughs> total fail. No one wanted to make their own magazine. It was so stupid, but so funny. I was like, okay, this was the one thing on the survey I was sure they were gonna like. And it was a total failure. What they wanted to do was they wanted to do retreats, which is what we do. We do retreats that are live, not this year obviously, but we had a we've done a retreat twice. A spa resort in Arizona. We've taken 60 women there twice. It's been fantastic. I was planning a retreat to New Orleans, which is where I just moved to in September. And everybody at the spa retreat was like, oh my God, I want to go to New Orleans. I would love to go there with you. I want to see it that way. And I'm like, okay, I'll make an event out of it. So we had that plan that got crashed by COVID. And then I was going to do something else up in New York or maybe in California or both. So we'll pick that up again in a year. We're just going to keep building on our virtual seminars now, which have really turned into real learning opportunities. And I would say that virtual was something that they said they wanted. It was something I thought was interesting, but nobody, it's kind of like a, it's like before you saw the first Walkman, I'm dating myself, but nobody said, <laughs> I've got to walk around with music plugged into my head. But when someone showed you a Walkman, you were like, oh my God, I got to have that, right?
0: Yeah, Exactly.
1: So sometimes people can't articulate, like it, there's two different ways to look for an audience and see what they want. Is One is to ask them. And sometimes you can find a need gap in there and you can fill it. But sometimes you have to make something because they don't know that's what they want. And mm. you have to put it in front of them. It's kind of like the cooking down here in New Orleans. They make these crazy connections between they'll put they'll put meat and seafood together and you're like, "whoa, that sounds disgusting." And then you eat it and you're like, "oh my god, who thought of that? That is unbelievable." But your first instinct is, "why would you do that?" And it works.
0: Yeah, and then once they get it, they're like, "can I have more, please?" Yes.
1: Yes. <laughs> and so that's what's happened is our and and our our first efforts at our webinars, which are virtual, we call them coffee and conversation because it's people getting together in a more relaxed forum, I actually was doing it more like a stage interview. If you had an expert on stage and how you'd interview them, then people could ask questions. So we did that for like the first year. And then I had two very type A people come on. They were like, I have a presentation. I just want to do it this way. And then I'll ask for questions at the end. I was like, oh, I don't know if they're going to like that. That feels a little too like you're driving the whole way and they're not involved. I don't know. Yeah. They took off. They loved it. (laughs) they loved it. So I was like, okay, this one woman was doing a whole presentation. She was amazing on LinkedIn and how to, how to get your LinkedIn in up to snuff. And she had this incredible presentation. And at 20 minutes to the end, I said, does anybody want to ask questions? They were like, no, let her keep going. (laughs) I was like, okay. Now I say to everybody, you got to bring some slides. You have to have a download. You have to teach. And we've moved more into the teaching area, which they love. We alternate sometimes with somebody who has a book. They're not going to be teaching necessarily. They might be, I might be interviewing them. So it kind of works both ways, but it's always about learning. We call our group Lifelong Learners. And that's kind of how this group attacks the world. If they see something happening, they go and intellectually approach it. And that's my group.
0: Speaking of learning, let's see what we can learn from our sponsors. This is happening more and more. I was talking with a client, and well, this happened. I mean, there's Facebook ads. I know some people are doing that. And Facebook. That's... I'm so down on Facebook. It seems like everybody I know is more down on Facebook just because of what they show, what shows up on their scrolling. Yeah, people are leaving Facebook in droves, and one of the tools I'm using to replace it has revolutionized the way I do coaching. It's like Slack and Zoom had a baby. Check it out, growyourcommunityshow.com slash volley. It's free and you won't believe it. How do you get the word out about your community? real podcast how do you avoid sounding bad stupid or spending too much money on equipment you don't need you join the school of podcasting we have step-by-step tutorials live group coaching and a private community filled with brilliant podcasting minds start your podcast by going to school of join and use the coupon code grow to save 20 percent. that's coupon code grow when you go to school of join now back to my interview with leslie jane seymour Lifelong learning is obviously in your blood, (laughs) going back to to school and all. Can you think of anything from your community that, you know, you you talked about getting some, some gas in your tank this morning. Do you see other things that just make you're on the right path?
1: Oh, yeah. So I bring people together and there's the top end of the club has a give get list and it's more exclusive. You put your name on there and you come with a give and you come with a get. I'm in PR and I need more connections, but I'll, I'll also, I can help you with your uh, pitches to news and radio stations. So everybody has that. You go through the list and then you contact people. And I've heard that people like so-and-so contacted me and we ended up doing business together, or whatever. And you don't, they don't send you an email. It's like when you talk to one of them, Later on, they're like, oh, yeah, we did that. Like, And I'm like, could you guys just let me know? I don't even know what's going on. And it's kind of a, again, you're doing a mo- more minimal viable product. So you're not making a fancy website where there's matching and all that. It's a stupid Excel sheet <laughs> where you're saying to people, read down there and call the people you like. I mean, it's really mechanical. Until you see that things work, you can't spend the money to make them slick, right? So then I heard this wonderful psychologist out in California and a girl in New York. I was out going out and asking for testimonials. What did you learn? What has Covey Club done for you? Blah, blah, blah. I know a lot of things are happening and I need to hear about it. And so among all the other things of this and that, and this one, I'm going to get together. And she became a good friend. She, all these kinds of things. One woman says to me, Well, I reached out to so-and-so in California and we're both interested in speaking French. And so we have a weekly date where we speak French. And I'm like, okay, that's not something I would have expected, but incredible. (laughs) So fine. I find it interesting that people find a way of connecting in the ways that interest them that you could never have even imagined. And I
0: love it what some of the things, like, how do you come up with the content? I know you just said you have a give and get and you're having speakers. Was, yes. Is this is this a ton of work, a lot of work, a little oh, bit of work?
1: It's a lot of work. I mean, you're, you could be working 24-7, which I don't want to do after having done that my whole life. And one of the reasons why we left the suburbs of New York and moved down to New Orleans is I wanted to have a little fun and I want to have my own life. My kids are launched. So yes, it's exhausting. It's, a ton of work. And up until the epidem- the pandemic, I was hoping to put it in its place. I was moving my hours down from six o'clock to one o'clock because I get up very early. I was like, I'll work from six to one. And then at one o'clock is my life. I'm going to go out. I'm going to have lunch. I'm going to meet girlfriends. I'm going to do stuff. I'm going to shop. I'm going to go to events, blah, blah, blah. And then of course, pandemic is. <laughs> so mm-hmm. now I'm working all the way through <laughs> again, because there's nothing else to do. <laughs> Right. And um, if you're a worker, B, you will work. So, but the problem for me is I've got to learn, I had to learn to shut it off on the weekends because it felt like all you did was work. That's no fun. So I shut it down on the weekends. I try not to look at it. First two years I did, I worked all the way through the weekends. That's, that's not a healthy thing to do. You, you have to separate and you have to pivot as you go along as well. You have to find some help. I have a part-time assistant and I have a part-time editor. And I'd like to get to the point where we're earning enough money to bring both those people on full-time. And that's my goal for this year, though I had a big goal for this year. So I don't know what's going to happen. The, now the goal this year is just stay alive <laughs> in many ways, right? Keep your business yeah. alive and keep yourself alive.
0: Are you seeing that a lot of your members are coming from the podcast or are you, obviously a lot of these came from your magazine readers, but that was years ago. Are the new people, are they being referred by other members or where are you seeing people coming in from?
1: They're mostly being referred by other members. And that's a good question. We don't, we're too small to do any kind of data mining. In fact, that's the thing that I'm like at that point in my launch period of saying, God, we've got to start looking at this. It's just the three of us and we're exhausted just keeping up with the content. I started the podcast really because there was nobody there and those stories need to be told. And I got kind of tired of writing those stories. We write a lot of reinvention stories, but I kind of got tired of just writing them out. That's why I started the podcast. I have no idea. I mean, I I tell them about Covey Club on there and we do put the podcast on the site so you can get to the podcast that way. So I'm guessing they go back and forth, but I don't have the data yet to know. So eventually I want them all to work together. I mean, as I said to you earlier, we do a kind of 360 approach. That's kind of what this year is about for me is linking them all together is to make sure that we're pushing from all different ends so that people know what we have. Because as an entrepreneur, you think everybody knows what you're doing. And of course they don't. But you're not used to standing on the corner with a sandwich board on, saying "Come on in here." The, especially if you're a corporate cog, you're not used to doing that. But that's kind of what you have to do as an entrepreneur. You always have to be saying, "Hey, here's another door." And if you don't like that, here's another door. And if you don't like that, here's another door. And here, it's a, a very counter to the thinking of being an executive, which is all this stuff is understood. I don't have to. Carnival barker, my stuff. But as an entrepreneur, you do. They just, because they just don't know. It's not that they don't want it. They just don't know. They, they're like, oh, I had no idea. You feel like they should know, but of course they don't.
0: When people come on, because like in theory, we want print things. You come from a print background. Now mm-hmm. you're going into the digital age. Mm-hmm. Is it a hard onboarding process for people?
1: I will say that there is a digital divide here because I'm talking to women 40 plus, my average yes. age is 54. There is a good segment of my group that don't know the digital at all. They And it's a challenge. So we offer to help them with that. We We are constantly having to say, they're like, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. That doesn't work. And I have a wonderful millennial assistant who calls them up and says, now let me show you how to push the button here, blah, blah, blah. I had a very funny... Example, we are very careful about not bothering people with emails. We send out one email a week called Letter from Leslie. It's my observations on the world, interesting stuff that I think they might be interested in, things I'm doing, things I'm finding, products I'm trying, plus stuff from, from the digital part of the magazine, plus talking about our podcast, plus talking to them about our events, right? Right. So we send only one because I, there's nothing that I hate more is that you sign up for something and then you get this deluge every day of garbage from places and all you do is you just delete. I'm, I delete by the end of the week, right? I'm done with you. So we're super careful. We do have social media. We do have a Facebook page. We do have LinkedIn and Twitter. So a friend of mine, brilliant financial woman who's now an entrepreneur herself in the fashion area, we have lunch. She's been a big supporter all along. We're having lunch just about a year ago. And she says to me, I love what you do, but you just got to stop sending me those emails. And I said, really? I said, wow. I said like one email a week is too much. No, you're sending them every day. And I'm like, I don't think I'm sending them every day. Like, I don't know what you could be getting every day. It's just too much to read. I just way too much. And I was like, okay, you have to send me what you're getting because like somebody may have hacked me or something like Really, honestly, nothing. I we're sending one, one a week. I don't know what it could be. So she sends me her thing that she says is an email, and it's actually she signed up for Facebook alerts from me. So every time I post something on Facebook, she's getting an alert in her email.
0: Ah. So
1: we run into things like that where people don't know where it's coming from or what they're doing or the technology. And so... We definitely run into issues like that. And we're very aware of that. Some people are very savvy. Some people are not. So it kind of gets us in trouble sometimes because they think we're doing something when we're not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They've hit the wrong button, but it's like really hard to say to your customer, well, let me show you the button you pushed that maybe you want to unpush. <laughs> it's really not us. <laughs> we're not, we can't reach you if you don't push the yeah. button. So that is one of the challenges. It is a it is a bubble.
0: You said that you had actually had kind of this idea, it didn't work twice and and obviously now it's going gangbusters. Yep. What would be what would be your advice for somebody who's thinking of starting their own community?
1: Well, a couple of things That you have to find out what it is that's unique about your community and why people want to be there. And you may start out with one reason and then you may morph into another. I'm a really good listener. That's probably one of my biggest strengths. I can listen to people and hear what they want. And I get a kick out of surprising them with those answers for what they want, right? you have to be a very good listener. And you can start with a survey. Like if you have an idea for something, my suggestion is start with a survey. Like, like I thought people were going to want to print their own magazine from the content we made. That was absolutely not true. That was not what they wanted. And the second thing, you need to have a little money in your pocket. Put some money away. It, it's not free to start these kinds of things. It's very, very hard. You have to invest something of your own. And then one of the things that I was pushed to do and I didn't want to do was to go out and actually raise money. It was a girlfriend of mine who said, why are you spending only your own money? Go out there and, and let's see what people will join in for. And I was really reluctant to do it because I felt like, well, I don't even know if my idea is good enough. I don't know if it's going to work. And then she was like, it doesn't matter. Just go out there and try, see what people say. So have your mind open to getting some help with fundraising and also asking for help. Like, if you don't understand how to do XYZ, an awful lot of people will help you. Some people will not, but an awful lot of people will give you a hand and help you.
0: Yeah. The, the great thing about your fundraising is, again, it was kind of a big green light of like, hey, I think I'm onto something here. It's proof of concept. And, You'd found something here. Yes. And
1: And it made me more confident, even though I raised $28,000, not a lot, not enough to launch this, but it gave me the confidence to say, oh, okay, I must be onto something. This many people believe in me. It was like 120 people. So, okay, let's keep going. And of course it's morphed since then. But the fact that people got the beginning part of what you were trying to do is kind of amazing. And that they're willing to invest in you and say, I believe in your idea.
0: Absolutely. Leslie, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. Everybody go over to koviclub.com. Anything else we should point them at?
1: What I would do is look at different communities that you like, that are like what you want to start and see the platforms they're on. One of the big mistakes I made was trying to do it on Facebook. And um, I think Facebook is over so you've got to look for where they're doing it and how they're doing it and and really follow whatever is modern for your community. We have a great little thing called Covey Connect, and it's on the Mighty Networks, which is a great place to look. They have a free section. Ours is paid, but there's a free section as well. But find the place. It may not be the obvious.
0: You bring that up because some people might say, yeah, but Facebook is free and my audience is already there. Did you have any problem getting your audience kind of from Facebook over to your own platform?
1: No, my audience comes to Facebook, but they won't talk there. They mums the word there. They won't say anything public. So because I have women who are their high flying executives, they have backgrounds, they have jobs, they don't want to be talking in public like that about important real life things, right? So they I port them over to Mighty Networks. I invite them in there. It's totally private. There's no advertising. There's no scraping. It's private to us. I'm the only one that has access to the information. And suddenly people are when they're going, well when I had I just got when I got over cancer and I'm like going, Oh, I had no idea. But yeah. they did not feel comfortable revealing things like that on Facebook. It's too public. And I think
0: it's not safe.
1: It, well, it's not safe at all.
0: Yeah, and, you know. So yeah. when you're safe, you're you're yes. and you're with your people and other people who know exactly what it's like to feel like you. Yes. that's, yes. that's a beautiful a thing.
1: Safety is a a good point, and that is that exactly what it was because I as I told them, this is just I'm the only one that has access, and no one's mining your information. Yeah. So that was one of the key things, but find the place that's good for you. And you may have to try a couple of different things. I think I tried Google Groups, and they hated that. They hated that. Yet I know other people who are very, very successful on Google Groups.
0: Well, the, the problem with some of these, because Google Groups has now gone away, right. LinkedIn Groups kind of got overrun with spam. So when you build on somebody else's platform... Oh, yes. Beware. Yeah, you're kind of like, well, the good news is it's free, but... The bad news is I mean at this point I have a Facebook group and at any time Facebook could say yeah we're not doing that anymore and, and it would
1: be they will and that's the history of Facebook and how many people do we know and this is why I I would never ever ever build on anything Facebook owns. He does this all the time. He just changes his mind and he changes the algorithm and I mean how many I have friends who've lost their entire businesses because they built their businesses on Instagram or Facebook. And one day this guy wakes up and you have no access to those members. You have no access. You have no information. You have no way to contact them. And he just wakes up and says he's changing the algorithm and you're out of business. It happens all the time. So don't do that. I hate to say it. I feel like Facebook is the death star, but use them. <laughs> use them for a- for advertising what you do, but do not build yourself there.
0: Yeah. Somebody else's, it's it's rented land. Yes. That's not good.
1: Yes. And he may not even care that you're paying rent and he's going to take it away. So be careful.
0: <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for taking the time out of your day to uh, share your insights. I deeply appreciate it. Great. And good luck with everything you're doing. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Leslie. Again, you can check her out at Covey, that's C-O-V-E-Y Club.com. CoveyClub.com. Man, what a great interview. You know, it's amazing. I'm doing some research right now on what makes things interesting. And it's amazing how many of those Leslie does. Number one, she's not afraid to try something new. I love when she's like the the type A person came in. And she's like, mm, not really sure if this is gonna work. And then when it did, she doubled down on it. I love that. With the uh, give and get strategy, I love the fact she said, look, we had to try it first and it was just an Excel spreadsheet. Then after you figure out, hey, this works, then you make it slick. But sometimes you have to prove, even with a Kickstarter, she had to prove it's like, hey, this is actually something people want. I also love the tip on sometimes, and this is where really knowing your audience. And again, she started off with a survey, sometimes... You have to create something they don't know they need yet. I thought that was awesome. The other thing, Leslie has a very specific group, and these are people, like she said, nobody's talking about sex after menopause, but her group wanted to talk about it. But you've got to have a safe place to share that. And as she said, nobody feels safe on Facebook. I thought that was some interesting insights because that's the whole point. Every community that we've talked about, people need to feel safe safe. I hope you're enjoying these. If you are, please tell a friend to go to growyourcommunityshow.com and you can subscribe. You can contact me, everything there, growyourcommunityshow.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in two weeks.